were coming for blood You could try and take us With the gladiators If you wanna rage Chapter 11 I woke up approximately 50 times during the night. I kept having to check to make sure I was human, and I had some seriously odd dreams. In one, I morphed into Jeremy Jason and then got fly eyes. Not a good night's sleep. My dad came in from the next room at about 4 in the morning to tell me I woke him up talking in my sleep. You were saying crocodile, not alligator, he said. Fortunately, he just figured it was stress from the insane day I'd had. He was right, but he didn't know the half of it. I took a taxi from the hotel to school. It beat taking the bus, that's for sure. Maybe Cassie was right. Maybe I'll have to be rich when I grow up. For the first couple of periods, I had to put up with kids saying brilliant things like, Hey, it's Crocodile Dundee! And, Stay away from me! You'll make the school fall down. And then there were the people who actually seemed jealous. I guess you think you're cool, just because you nearly got killed twice in one day, one girl said. Yeah, that's right, I said. Later, just to prove how cool I am, I'm going to jump off a cliff. By the time lunch was over, most people had gotten the message that I didn't really want to talk about it. Then, I was called to the assistant principal's office. Chapman's office. I guess I should explain. Chapman is one of them. He's a high-ranking controller. He's one of the leaders of the sharing. He once came very close to having me killed. Not that he knew it was me, really. But still, I kind of resented it. I walked the empty hallway, clutching my hall pass and wondering how I was going to escape if Chapman was waiting for me with a bunch of Horkbyshire warriors. Rachel, come on in, come on in, have a seat. Chapman looked perfectly normal. He's a little bald, but normal looking. That's the problem with controllers. They don't look any different. Um, what's this about, Mr. Chapman? I asked nervously. I was playing the role of any normal kid who gets called to the assistant principal's office. It was easy to act nervous. He waved his hand dismissively. I just wanted to talk to the big celebrity. I sat down, but I stayed tense and ready to spring into action. Did Chapman suspect? Had he figured out that I hadn't just fallen into the crocodile pit? Had he figured out that I was the crocodile who had carried the little boy to safety? I was dead meat if he had. The Yorks believe we are a group of Andalite bandits. See, they know they're getting attacked by a group of people who can morph. It just never occurs to them that humans could morph. If they knew the truth... Well, there's a good reason we keep the truth a secret. So? So, I agreed. Yesterday was quite a day for you, Chapman said. Yes, sir. You were very lucky. Twice. Yes, I guess so. But I guess the way I look at it, I was unlucky twice. He nodded like I'd said something deep. No injuries? I shook my head. No. Amazing, he said. Then he narrowed his eyes and stared hard at me. 
Rachel, your grades have dropped this last semester. Not a lot, but your teachers think you aren't applying yourself the way you used to. I still have an A average, I pointed out. Barely. I squirmed in my seat. This was insane. I wasn't sure if I was being interrogated by a dangerous controller who suspected my true identity, or if I was just being lectured about my grades by an assistant principal. Has anything changed in your life lately? I almost swallowed my tongue. Had anything changed? Like, for example, being given the power to morph by a dying alien and ending up fighting an invasion of Earth by parasite slugs from outer space? Um, no, I said. No big changes. He smiled an understanding smile. Your parents got divorced, didn't they? And didn't your father move away? I tried not to look too relieved, but I definitely sighed. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, um, yeah. Maybe that's why my grades are down a little. That must be it. You know, the trauma and all. I felt my feet itching. It was a strange thing to notice right then, with Chapman staring at me like I was some mystery he was trying to understand. But they were definitely itching, and I was feeling flushed, warm all over. Well, as you may or may not know, Rachel, I am the local head of a wonderful group called The Sharing. And that's when my heart stopped beating. Chapter 12 my heart missed about four beats before it started up again, going a hundred miles an hour. Uh-huh, I said, trying not to let the adrenaline rush overwhelm me. Get ready, I told myself. Get ready. We like to think we offer some help to kids who may be going through a bad time, Chapman said. We have an awful lot of fun. Campouts, bonfire barbecues on the beach. Just a month or so back, we had a big water skiing trip up to a mountain lake. I could have said, yes, I know. We were there, too, but not exactly in human shapes. Instead, I said, that sounds like fun. It is fun, Chapman said with total sincerity. And a lot of our members are kids who come from troubled homes. Kids with problems. But they're also kids who want to make life better. They're hopeful, optimistic kids. When I saw you handling yourself so well on the news last night, I thought, you know, I should offer Rachel this opportunity. She's just the kind of person who could really benefit from the sharing. How did I look on TV? I asked. Very self-possessed, very attractive, and very mature. Cool. But... He sighed. I have to wonder at the same time if maybe you don't have some problems in your life. I mean, the stories all say you fell into the crocodile pit. I held my breath. Here it comes. He suspects. But I don't believe in accidents. I have to wonder if maybe you have some problems that made you, shall we say, careless. I barked out a laugh. Then I stopped myself. He thought I was suicidal. Did he think I sawed through the floor of my house, too? Good grief. That's why he was trying to recruit me for the sharing. He thought I was depressed or whatever. A perfect recruit for his little controller organization. Yeah, right. Where do I sign up, Mr. Chapman? Could there be a special discount on dues for Animorphs? I shook my head. 
No, actually, I'm very happy. Once again, a feeling like pins and needles of warmth swarming over me. I shifted my feet. The feeling was familiar. Oh no. Oh no. My feet. I looked down and it took every single ounce of my self-control to keep the look of horror from my face. My feet were swelling. They were growing thick, shaggy brown fur. They were swelling and straining my shoes. The laces were strained tight. I know you say everything is fine, Rachel, but... He frowned. What was that? Nothing, I said in a squeaky voice. I heard something pop. My laces had snapped from the pressure. I shook my head. No. Anyway, what was I saying? Was... Rachel, are you listening to me? No, I wasn't listening. I was busy trying to see if any other parts of me were turning into grizzly bear. Because see, that's what it was. I'd seen those feet before. They were bare feet. Um, yes, yes, I'm, I am listening. Very closely. Oh, please, no way. I can't morph here. Not right in Chapman's office. I focused. I concentrated. Demorph. Chapman just kept droning on and on and on about the sharing. And all the while, my shoes were torn to ribbons and my legs from the knees down grew shaggy with long, rough brown fur, and hard nails grew where my toes had been. Anyway, Chapman said, suddenly glancing at his watch, I'm going on and on, and you need to get back to class. What? I asked frantically. Just think about it, Rachel, Chapman said. Now, go straight back to class. No dawdling. I gulped. What could I do? I bent over and quickly stuffed the torn remnants of my shoes into my backpack. My feet were like huge fur boots. In fact, I stood up and headed for the door. I paused with my hand on the knob. I turned back and saw Chapman staring hard at my feet. Oh, you like my new boots? I asked. Chapman smiled. The things you kids will wear. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just a fashion victim. I got out of there fast. By the time I made it to the girls' room, my feet had returned to normal. I walked barefoot to gym and got my gym shoes. I was shaking more than I had from falling into the crocodiles the day before. After all, a crocodile can only kill you. Chapman is a yerk, and they can do things that make plain old death seem easy. Chapter 13 I meant to ask Axe about my little problem. I had promised Cassie I would. But right after school we had the mission, and if I had brought it up then, everyone would have made me stay home. Maybe that would have been the smart thing to do. But it seemed to me that the sudden, surprise morphing had occurred just twice. The first time it had been a total catastrophe, but the second time only my feet had morphed. Obviously, whatever was the matter with me, I was getting better. Probably, it would never even ever happen again. Probably. I called my dad on his cell phone when I got out of school. Daddy, are you in a meeting or anything? No, honey. I'm outside the courthouse waiting for this man I'm supposed to be interviewing. What's up? Are you okay? Yeah, I haven't fallen into anything or had any buildings collapse on me, so far. I just wanted to let you know I'll be hanging with Cassie. 
We'll probably go to the mall or the library or something. Okay, well, be sure to be back at the hotel by six, okay? I want to have dinner with you. Take a cab. Do you have enough money? Yes, I'll see you for dinner. Then I called my mom at work, got her voicemail, and left the same basic message. It was sad how easy lying had become for me. I guess a lot of kids lie occasionally to their parents. But I have to do it way too much. Someday, I'll be able to tell everyone the whole truth. That will be a relief. Anyway, we were all supposed to meet up in the air above the beach. That was the plan. All of us except Axe and Tobias had the perfect morphs for the occasion. But it was one I hadn't used in a long time. The tricky part was finding a safe place to morph. I headed for the stand of trees beyond the athletic field. Unfortunately, kids went there sometimes, and I couldn't risk being seen. Fortunately, Tobias arrived to help. Hey Rachel, if you can hear me, scratch your head. I scratched my head and casually looked up to the sky. I spotted the red-tailed hawk outlined against a fluffy white cloud. There are three people in the stand of woods, but they're walking away. They'll be gone by the time you get there. I couldn't answer because you can only make thought speak when you're in a morph, but I trusted Tobias totally. Hawkeyes are about ten times better than human eyes. Tobias could have told me how many mice and rats and skunks and toads and squirrels were in that stand of woods, let alone how many big, noisy, clunky humans were there. I walked quickly into the trees. There was a ton of trash, soda cans and chip wrappers and McDonald's bags. I laughed, because for the morph I was going into, this was like the perfect world. You're still clear, Tobias called down. Four guys heading toward you from the school, but you'll be out of there before they arrive. I nodded. Then I focused on the morph. And I tried not to focus on the fact that morphing had gotten very weird since the day before. Like it was normal the rest of the time. I began to shrink very quickly. Pine needles and dead leaves and beer cans and assorted trash all came rushing up. Shrinking is weird because it's so much like falling. You don't think, oh, I'm getting small. You think, oh, I'm falling. You fall and fall and fall, but somehow you never actually land. It's just that a can that started off seeming as big as your foot becomes as big as half your body, and a McDonald's bag that you could have stepped on is now so large you could crawl inside it. Leaves smaller than your hand are now as big as those little bathroom rugs. As I shrank, I could see my flesh turning white. White as snow. White as paper. And then, when I was a creepy, shrinking ghost, the feather patterns began to appear. They were tiny, close, delicate feathers, much smaller than the owl or eagle morphs I used. My teeth melted together and began to force themselves outward, forming a single horn-like protrusion. It pushed out and split open horizontally, creating a hooked beak. I spread my arms wide and saw that they were already wings, not the broad, powerful wings of an eagle. Shorter, sharper, narrower, more acrobatic wings. I had become the bird that is never endangered, the bird that lives on all seven of the seven continents, the bird that seems to thrive in every environment. I was the mighty seagull. Eater of fish, french fries, melted candy, eggs, Burger King Whoppers, popcorn, beef jerky, pickle slices, maraschino cherries, cheese puffs, burritos, 
and basically any other food that has ever been invented. King of scavengers, lord of the trash. I flapped my wings and took to the sky. I flapped hard and rose to treetop level. And below me, the beauty of the world was revealed to my alert seagull vision. Food was everywhere. Everywhere humans threw garbage was a restaurant to me. The dumpster behind the school. The parking lot of the convenience store. I saw it all. I spotted every blowing candy wrapper. I noted every single bit of roadkill. Other birds had to kill to eat. Other birds had narrow, cramped environmental niches with just one or two kinds of acceptable food. Not me. I could live on junk food and garbage. And that's why the skies were filled with my brothers and sisters. I saw them everywhere, always near the ground, always on the lookout for the next breadcrumb. Above me, I spotted a dangerous form, the dark silhouette of a bird of prey. But I wasn't too worried. He was high up, and I was fast and very agile. I flapped hard and flew fast, zooming like a wobbly erotic rocket above the treetops, over the roofs, flitting through telephone wires, skimming easily over lawns and yards and gardens. Enjoying yourself, Rachel? What the? Hello? Hello in there? Rachel, you're not falling into a morph, are you? It took a few seconds for me to track. The voice in my head was Tobias. Tobias was a human. So was I. Oh, hello. Wake up, Rachel. Sorry, Tobias. I was getting kind of caught up in the seagull's head there for a minute. I wasn't prepared. I've done the morph before, so I wasn't on guard. It was embarrassing, actually. When you first do a morph, it's very hard to control the mind of the animal. I mean, when I'd morphed the crocodile, even though I was totally prepared, I'd been ready to chomp that kid. But I've done the seagull before. I shouldn't have had any difficulty with it. You okay, Rachel? Tobias asked. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, alright? I just wish everyone would stop asking me how I am. I'm fine. This wasn't related to the problem with uncontrolled morphing. This was just a minor thing. A minor loss of concentration. Nothing to worry about. That's what I told myself. You know your way to the beach from here? Of course I know the way to the beach. I said, still mad for no good reason. Okay, see you there. Tobias peeled off, and I flew on. One thing the seagull knew was how to find the beach. But I was not a happy little seagull. Something was wrong with me, and it wasn't going away. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening again. I... Super just don't have anything to put here, so we're we're just going to wrap it up quick here. You know, visit theapodcalypse.com. Uh, it's the apodcalypse. It's apocalypse, but with the D in the middle, like podcast. Uh, check it out. It's my website. It's got all my stuff on there. And uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.